Hello, Duality listeners. We are so excited to bring you episode four of our podcast, but this week we need to prioritize a different conversation. The murder of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis police has brought racialized violence to the forefront of national attention. It is long past time that we more seriously address the systemic racism and inequity that permeates our society. Now is the time for non-black allies to leave behind the comfort of silence and become fully invested in amplifying the Black Lives Matter movement. So this week, we bring you two guests and a conversation with them. Jeffrey Cornelius and Marshall Ware Mabry IV are artists and activists, here with us today to discuss the impact of the last two weeks and the last 400 years. Please enjoy this special episode of Duality, and take the time to consider how you can fight for meaningful change today. All right, thank you so much uh, to both of you for joining us. Uh, Do you want to maybe introduce yourselves, tell us where you're from, and uh, a little bit about your experience. Okay, I'll start. Um, Hi, I'm Jeffrey Cornelius. I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. Um, Next year, I'll be attending University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, um, musical theater class of 2024. Go Bearcats. Uh, Yeah. And I'm just here to shed some light with Marshall on a topic that's very important to us. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Like Jeff said, I am Marshall Wermaybury the Fourth. I am a singer, actor, activist, playwright, and all of the things. I am an incoming freshman at the Boston Conservatory at Berkeley. Um, and yeah, like Jeffrey said, we're just here to set some light on some things that we deal with. So we just wanted to start off today by checking in. I'm sure the last few weeks have been overwhelming, to say the least, and we're just curious what your experiences have been like. After Ahmad was killed in Georgia, it that one hit a little closer to home, so I was a little uneasy from there. And then after Brianna, um, and I want to say there was one more person, then there was George. And George is kind of... I feel like you learn to live with this sort of internal rage that just kind of sits there. Um, and, you know, it started to boil a little bit with the mod. But um, Georgia kind of went over it, and it was a lot of just raw emotion. Um, yeah, that's what it was for me. For me, it's um, it's something that it's kind of festered within me for a long time. Because if you're black in America, you know that this is this these killings aren't just an isolated incident. I'm glad that George Floyd his his gruesome murder because it was a gruesome murder. It it's not it's not flying under the radar like some of these other gruesome murders do. But Black Lives Matter isn't anything new. You're absolutely right, Jeffrey. And and over the past couple of weeks we've seen this surge of activism on social media and at protests and there have also been some responses that, from what I've gathered, are not what the Black community is looking for from people who are seeking to be allies. So I'd love to know what you both think a good ally is and what that might look like right now. I think the best thing you can do right now is listen and educate yourselves. People don't understand that it's a burden to have to educate everyone. If you're going to be an ally, you have to be active in your pursuit of understanding. You, you don't just stop you know what i mean it's not just something that you go oh i'm an ally now cool and with a lot of a lot of the people who 
are allies, trying to be allies, or claim to be allies, in quotation marks, there's, there's a difference between signing all the petitions, sending out all the emails you can, doing research constantly, and posting a black, a black screen on your Instagram feed because you think that's the most you can do to help. What do you think is the path to more meaningful allyship and advocacy that can be sustained beyond the initial outrage of this moment? I think the number one thing is that people need to stay open to conversation and stay open to discussing things with others because the reason people don't understand is because they don't talk to people who live these experiences. I think staying open to conversation and recognizing when there is a problem. Because a lot of people throughout this whole this whole controversy, all of these controversies, as far back as the lynchings in 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 in, in pre 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 like established America, the problem is people don't want to believe that this is actually happening. It's an isolate they think it's isolated incident after isolated incident. And it's not. We need to recognize that there's a problem. We need to wake up and address it. I think it is in people understanding that though they have been as well-intentioned as they possibly could be, that more than likely they've been one of the people to make people of color feel uncomfortable. Um, I think it's deeper than a post. It's deeper than donating. It's deeper than all the research in the world. If you can't if you can't think outside of yourself and realize that this is something bigger than you, and that this is this is something that every black person in this country faces. The most African American men are followed around stores. I know African American men that get followed around stores that nobody knows they own. So it it's if you can't step outside of yourself and realize what's happening and listen and understand that it you might not have thought it was you in that moment, but you've been guilty of some of the same things. Um, and to be able to own up to that and commit to making a change in yourself and in the community around you, because most people don't realize these things because that's the way most people were brought up. Most people had that, especially in the South, most people had that racist aunt or grandmother or uncle, or you went to a couple bonfires where the hard R was used on the N word. And it's, it's, you know, it's it's different when it's the people closest to you is what I've learned. Essentially, most people don't know how to deal with it when it is their parents, when it is their brother, you know, um, and under, and not just being not just going, OK, that's them. I'm going to be something different, but also going, OK, how can I get you to see that? Because that's where the change is. If, if you're just being if you're OK and you're complicit in people being like this then you're only making the problem worse for the people of color or the black people specifically in this country. And I think I think all the problems we're dealing with today are the same problems we've been dealing with forever. It all yeah. goes back to what America was built on. It was built on the backs of slaves, a constitution that says all men are created equal, but it really doesn't mean in their eyes that all men are created equal. They meant all white men were created equal. And I think... I think we just, you just have to recognize it as a problem. Recognize that this is an issue that plagues people. Imagine 
take yourself out of your own out of your own shoes for a second and put yourself in mine or Marshall's. Getting followed around the store, getting followed on the highway when you're driving, it's something. It's it's not it's not just oh this ha- may happen once a year. It's an everyday thing sometimes. I I would do the it's store. Everywhere. I would everywhere, no matter how far north, how far south you get. I went to the store three times this week. Each time I was followed followed in. My parents had to tell me, if you go into a store, walk out buying something. If, you, if you're if you driving on the highway and you see a police officer, go under the speed limit and not right at it. Because they're trying to protect my life. Another thing that I think it would be valuable for us to discuss, uh, all four of us have uh, an experience particularly within theater and within the arts. Uh, how do you see the Black Lives Matter movement and the conversations that we're having right now intersecting with the theater community and with the arts in, more broadly? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, so I think right now it's it's hot. It's hot. It's active. It, it, it it's trendy to be down for activism. I think the real follow through is gonna happen when we get to November and December, when everything's died down a little bit, even through 2021. Because the thing is, right now people are saying things because if they don't, the artists of color in their communities won't work for them which means that production of Heights just got canceled, that production of Memphis, that production of Hairspray is just not going to happen. So they're speaking up now, but how, how are you going to follow through? It's, it's hard to tell when people are really trying to be allies. They really want to be allies, so they're reposting all these things. It's hard to tell if you're either doing that because you actually care or if you're just scared that you're going to lose the people that are supporting you. That you're going to be canceled. That Yeah, that you're going to be canceled. And that goes into the cancel culture episode y'all did all that a, a while ago. It, I, I really believe that at the end of the day, there's so, many, there's so many people in the Broadway community who are posting these things just because they feel like they have to. I'm curious, what was your guys' opinion on Blackout Tuesday and what the intention was versus what actually ended up happening i've been on like a social media cleanse i couldn't do it social media makes me anxious um especially right now and one of my mentors um victor jackson was one of the main people behind this blackout tuesday movement he's choreographed for iggy azalea and he's done you know all, all the big events and the vmas and all the things right and when he posted, we, you know, we had a conversation about it and, and how this was to one, bring attention, but it, it was a total shutdown of, you know, the music industry, essentially. The music industry and then other performance industries got into it. And it was, we're going to bring attention to this. These were the people that had the biggest platforms. They were going to take a day and then they were just going to drop, you know, links of places that they could people could donate to in the bios. And that was going to be it It was going to pull attention. Right. Cool. And then it became like, if you didn't post, what's wrong with you? Do you it was if you didn't post, do you hate black people? And it was like, whoa, 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 chill. Whoa, that's a lot. That's that's too much. So then everybody posted, and they were like, mm, and blackout for Black Lives Matter. And they but didn't like, know sis, how we all don't believe it? They, they didn't know what it meant. People, people they didn't know what it meant. The hashtag Blackout Friday, I mean, Blackout Tuesday, but 
they wouldn't put any resources in their bio. There would be no place to go donate, no petitions to sign. It was just hashtag Blackout Tuesday, and that was it. They thought their job was done. I was wondering if you'd be interested in talking a little bit about um, the, the historical aspect um, in how that's gotten you in your experience um, and, and how that coincides with, with where we are now um, and, and then maybe maybe even what, what we can do to move forward. Historically, I think it's important for people to know that our lives today though everything has a new name or or it it has a new way of being done is it's all essentially the same the same cries of the Scottsboro boys they're the same cries as you know the Central Park 5 the 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 same way that Emmett Till was beaten and lynched and thrown into a river for um allegedly whistling at a white woman the same thing could happen today. You know, the, the, honestly, the same thing did happen today with both of them. So Marshall and I both live in the Deep South. So this like this racism and constantly experiencing microaggressions and constantly having to fight for what's right when you when you when you feel like it should just be a given that everybody should be equal. Everything should be fair. It's not. Um, my grandfather was involved in the civil rights movement, all my grandparents, actually. And when all this Facebook drama happened, I went over to their house and I wanted their advice on it because your elders are always just naturally going to be wiser, especially when they've gone through something as monumental as the civil rights movement. And so I'm, I'm talking to them and I'm asking their advice on how to best proceed forward with educating my friends and being the best resource to them as I can. It's just, it's not that simple. And it, it's tough, even even in the arts. And I, I think also looking at it, since we're all students in an arts educational, arts education space, culture isn't a learning opportunity. That's not what it is. Um, I am leaving a theater a studio that's been great to me, but we were doing a gospel show and I'm the only black person in the show. That's culture. And there was not, there wasn't time taken to find a black dramaturg or a black choreographer or somebody else on that creative team that knows this experience as well as I do. Because you're going, oh, this is a show. No, this is a show based on culture. You can't, you can't just, when they, when they revived Once on this Island, they didn't just say, okay, we're going to do Once on this Island. No, Michael Arden took the time to find dramaturgs. He had a Black assistant director. He had a Black choreographer, an all-Black cast, an all-Black music arranger. Uh, uh, the, black, the music director was Black. All these people who come from the cultural experience, it's not just from his mind. This is a collaborative effort. So I think you also have to take in the time to, if you're going, if you're going to support, you also have to invest. And that is what a lot of people are missing. You have to invest your time, research. Sometimes that's money if you have it. For theaters, you have to invest your resources in really supporting these people. If you want to support a story like Ragtime, hire a Black dramaturg. Hire a Black choreographer because you're going to have the people in your cast. Why not have them behind your table as well? And I think... It's weird because, you know, like Jeff said, it's a life or death situation 
walking outside of your door. Um, I woke up two days ago and I had, um, we were babysitting my eight month old cousin and I was holding him and I was feeding him and I could see out my window. And I went, I have to prepare him to live in a world that he could die because of the way he looks. Tamir Rice was 12 years old when he was killed. The cop didn't even get out of his car to kill Tamir. He pointed his gun out of the window at a 12-year-old playing with a toy gun and killed him. Knowing that I have to prepare him for a world like that, it's people don't understand the importance and the seriousness in all of what's happening right now. Because it, it's it's a hashtag. It's not lived experience. You've talked about the value of having these tough conversations. How do you go about that? You have to be kind about it because the minute you start yelling and talking at them and not to them and with them, they shut down and they're not going to learn. So I just say this only gets better if we talk about it and address it and address the harsh, brutal realities that we're dealing with. Because... That's the reason nothing changes. We say we talk about it. We say it's been dealt with. Body cams, we said it was dealt with. When the Civil Rights Acts were passed, we said, oh, it was dealt with. When Jim Crow, um, when the Jim Crow laws were disbanded, we said it was dealt with. It was never dealt with. The problem was still festering below the surface, like a pimple ready to pop. And that pimple to this day is, it's, it's, it's ruining the complexion of America. A land where we're all supposed to be created equal. You, you see the analogy, guys? Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Claps. But like, yeah, it came I just, through. I just, I kind of, I, I, it, it, it's, 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 again, it's a slippery slope. The topic of race and society and the topic of how to go about best supporting your friends of color and your black friends is such a, such a slippery slope. Like performative activism versus active activism is it's, it's, it's hard to tell who is really being sincere. It's hard to tell if, oh, I'm doing this just because I have a black boyfriend, but my dad says the N-word with the hard R, or I'm doing this because I care about my family members. I have family members that are Caucasian, and they reached out to me, and they asked what they could do to be better allies. And I think the difference in turn lies where your heart is. If you're a decent, if you care about human life at all, you should be pro-Black Lives Matter, you should be pro-everybody. And that's another thing. People love to bring in the all lives matter thing. I agree. All lives do matter. But not all lives in the United States of America are constantly at risk every time they step out of the house. That's why Black Lives Matter is a thing. Because it's a problem. It's a problem that needs to be dealt with. And the only... Yeah. I'm sorry. I just... this really, This really strikes a nerve for me. Because... So many people in my life have said, oh, well, I think all lives matter. So all lives matter is the right thing to say. You don't know what it's like. You haven't done the research, obviously. You're just oblivious and you're choosing to be blatantly oblivious. You're choosing to live in this in this bubble because you don't want to face the harsh reality that I've had to face since the day I came out of my mother's womb. I think... The all lives matter topic is it, it's kind of it's it's black and white. Excuse the pun for me. Um, it's you know people go all lives matter, but how do all lives matter till my life matters? You know, like like that's it. Period. Like you can't. 
And if I said, show, show me my life matters, you couldn't, there, there's no way you could show me that there is worth in the bodies of black people right now when all you see are the bodies of black and brown, black and brown people being abused constantly in the media, in every film, in music, in everything, you know? Is there anything in particular that you'd like to leave people with or any final thoughts that you guys have on this matter? If you're an artist, if you're a black artist, if you're an artist of color, I want to encourage you to do what Marshall and I do and write your own stories. Tell your own stories. There, There is next to nothing in this world that can be performed that is written authentically by a black person for a black person for a black audience. It's just, it's, it's a rare thing to come by nowadays. And that's, that's something I want to commend Marshall on and also pat myself on the back for is that our stories are going to get told correctly until we go and tell it. So if you have something festering inside, if you want to deal with that anger, if you want, if you want to feel like you're putting all of your energy into something positive, write your own stories, tell your own stories. And I would encourage you not to write stories that are just based in Black people experiencing trauma because that's what it seems like the entire canon is. You know, there, there are shows where Curly's just, oh, what a beautiful morning. Just chilling, chilling. And, you know, most of our shows, it's like Cole House singing real good till his yeah, wife dies. His wife gets, like, like you know, we're people too, we're not just victims. Yeah, there, there is something about people of color just wanting to exist in a space. In the Heights is just a weekend in New York. When you zoom out, that's all it is. Most people of color just want a story like that. People want a story that's not, you know, where they don't have to look barbaric. They're like the stories like The King and I are beyond problematic, but nobody talks about that because it's a classic, you know? Black people weren't performing Othello until actually white actors were playing Othello in the last the last film performance of it is from 1981 with Sir Anthony Hopkins. You know, like Hannibal Lecter, that guy in blackface playing Othello. Actors of color were never meant for these spaces. So now it's time to make our own space. All right. Uh, well, I want to thank you both so much for coming and speaking about this today. Thank you for all the guidance that you've given to us, to our listeners, uh, and thank you for um, telling your stories in this way. Thank you for listening to Duality. We remain committed to using our platform to amplify Black voices and honor the Black Lives Matter movement. Join us next week as we continue the conversation. Subscribe now on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts.